The 24th of February marks two years since the start of the conflict in Ukraine. Coming up, we look at where the conflict is now, what's changed over the last 12 months and the challenges ahead. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, joining me for this episode is our lead security analyst for Ukraine and Russia, Louise Hogan. And I started by asking her to give me an overview of what stage the conflict has reached at this two-year mark. Well, the picture looks quite different from this time last year when Ukraine was feeling a lot more optimistic after a successful counteroffensive. But their counteroffensive in 2023 was far less successful. And at the end of last year, the US, which has been Ukraine's most significant source of military aid, stopped releasing new funding. The White House has been unable to secure congressional approval to send additional aid or supplies to Ukraine since last October, in fact. And this is having a significant impact on Ukraine's capabilities. How so? Right now, Ukrainian troops on the front line are running short of ammunition. And this has also happened as Russia has increased its domestic production of arms, as well as acquiring additional supplies from Iran and North Korea. So now Ukraine is on the defensive in several areas where Russian troops are trying to push forward. And in recent days, Russia did claim a strategic victory. They took the town of Avdivka in Donetsk. And that was after Ukrainian forces had to retreat to avoid being encircled. And what's been happening away from the front lines? We've seen a really significant rise in the pace and intensity of Russian aerial strikes on Ukrainian cities in recent months. And that includes the capital, Kyiv. Russia has employed a strategy of trying to overwhelm Ukrainian air defences, and that's proven quite effective. So Ukrainian air defences do still intercept many of the aerial strikes, but the success rate has dropped very noticeably in recent months. So, Louise, it sounds as though Ukraine is facing a lot of challenges. It is, though Russian troops also have their challenges, not least extremely high casualty numbers. But their defensive lines have largely held over the last nine months or so. For Ukraine, as well as the issue of aid and funding from its Western allies, it's also grappling with a significant shortage of personnel and a lack of rotation for frontline troops. So two years in, many men who volunteered to serve in the early days of the conflict have remained on or near the front line ever since, which is quite some time. And the recently removed army chief, General Valery Zaluzhny, was very vocal about the fact that in order to try and achieve Ukraine's aims, first and foremost is the restoration of all its territory, the army needs a huge amount of more men, several hundred thousand in fact. But Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is really reluctant to extend mobilization because it is going to be very unpopular politically. And that became such a point of contention between the two men. And earlier this month, Zelensky was removed as army chief. So how will changing the head of the armed forces impact Ukraine in the conflict going forward? Well, Zelensky was replaced by General Alexander Sirsky, who was previously head of the Ukrainian land forces. So he has been instrumental in directing Ukraine's efforts in the conflict so far. He's been credited for overseeing Ukraine's retaking of territory in Kharkiv in 2022, for instance. But he's also been criticized for overseeing the defense of Bakhmut. Uh, that was a town that Ukraine ultimately lost to Russia in May of last year. And critics of Sirsky's say that it was clear for many months that the town was going to be lost and that continuing to try and defend it led to needless deaths of many Ukrainian soldiers. So 
that criticism likely played a role in what we saw happen just in the last week with Ukrainian forces in Avdivka facing a similar situation, but in that case, a strategic retreat from the town was ordered. Sirskin hurts a lot of the same issues that Solushny had in terms of a shortage of personnel and ammunition. And while he might not be as public as Solushny was about it, or at least not yet, it's unlikely that he won't be pushing President Zelensky for the same things, more men, more arms, more money. And then in a broader sense, the change in army chief has really created a lot of questions about political unity within Ukraine. It's allowed Russia to exploit the situation and present it as evidence of emerging divisions. For President Zelensky, it's likely to create political problems further down the road. So currently, Ukrainian society is still quite united when it comes to the issue of the conflict. But there is a perception that Zelensky removed Zelensky from his position because he perceived him to be a political threat. Zelensky is a very popular figure in Ukraine, so that may impact Zelensky's position further down the line. And Louise, how do you expect the conflict to progress in the coming six to 12 months, do you think? The current pattern is likely to continue, essentially a stalemate with incremental gains by either side, but coming at a huge cost in terms of casualties and weaponry. Unless we see one side gain a more significant advantage in terms of manpower or more advanced weapons, that pattern will persist. Unless Ukraine does increase its mobilization efforts, its counteroffensive this year will not be any more successful than its efforts last year. One of the main international factors then that will impact the conflict this year is U.S. presidential elections in November. U.S. Congress has not approved additional funding or aid for Ukraine since last year. And the closer we get to elections, the harder it is to see change that situation. We expect to see European countries trying to fill that gap, and they have pledged a significant amount of aid recently. But there's a lot of issues around European countries not delivering on promised aid and certainly The timescales involved are often much longer than Ukraine would want. The U.S. has also been a far more reliable partner for supplying more advanced weaponry. And then many European countries will also be facing increasing domestic resistance to spending large amounts of money on Ukraine, similar to the U.S. So a continuation of attritional conflict on the front lines at a huge cost to both sides is what we expect to see. But there's still going to be strong resistance from either side to engage in negotiations as well. Unless one side starts to gain momentum and make significant gains, that might pressure the other side into changing their position. We're unlikely to see any move towards negotiations before the end of this year. Okay, Louise, thank you very much for all your analysis and insight into the situation. Thank you. that's all for now but just a reminder that you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates for ukraine from our website at internationalsos.com and from there you can find out about our global network of assistance centers available to clients 24 7 but until next time thanks very much for listening and goodbye